0: Section 21 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10 by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. The Matter of the nights, Part Three, The reader will bear with me while I run through the tales and add a few remarks to the notices given in the notes. The glance must necessarily be brief, however extensive be the theme. The admirable introduction follows in all the texts and manuscripts known to me the same main lines. But differs greatly in minor details, as will be seen by comparing Mr. Payne's translation with Lane's and mine. In the tale of the sage Duban appears the speaking head, which is found in the camille in Mirkont, and in the Kitab al-Uyun. Mc. Barbier de meynard traces it back to an abbreviated text of Al-Masudi. I would especially recommend to students, the porter, and the three ladies of Baghdad whose mighty orgy ends so innocently in general marriage lane blames it because it represents arab ladies as acting like arab courtesans, but he must have known that during his day the indecent frolic was quite possible in some of the highest circles of his beloved cairo to judge by the style and changes of person some of the most archaic expressions suggest the hand of the ravi or professional tale-teller yet as they are in all the texts they cannot be omitted in a loyal translation the following story of the three apples perfectly justifies my notes concerning which certain carpers complain what englishman would be jealous enough to kill his cousin wife because a blackamoor in the streets boasted of her favors but after reading what is annotated in volume one six and purposely placed there to give the keynote of the book he will understand the reasonable nature of the suspicion and i may add that the same cause has commended these skunks of the human race to debauched women in england the next tale sometimes called the two wazirs is notable for its regular and genuine drama intrigue which however appears still more elaborate and perfected in other pieces the richness of this oriental plot invention contrasts strongly with all european literatures except the spaniards whose taste for the theatre determined his direction and the italian which in boccaccio's day had borrowed freely through sicily from the east and the remarkable deficiency lasted till the Romantic movement dawned in France, when Victor Hugo and Alexandre Dumas showed their marvellous power of faultless fancy, boundless imagination and scenic luxuriance, raising French poetry from the dead and not mortally wounding French prose. The Two Wazirs is followed by the gem of the volume, The Adventure of the Hunchback Jester also containing an admirable surprise and a fine development of character, while its wild but natural simplicity and its humour are so abounding that it has echoed through the world to the farthest west. It gave to Addison the story of Al-Nashkar, and to Europe the term "barmecide Feast, from the tale of Shakabak. The adventures of the corpse were known in Europe long before Galand, as shown by three fabliaux in Barbazan. I have noticed that the barber's tale of himself is historical, and I may add that it is told in detail by Al-Masudi. Chapter 94 Follows the tale of Nur al-Din Ali, and what Galand miscalls the Fair Persian, a brightly written historiette with not a few touches of true humor noteworthy are the slaver's address the fine description of the baghdad garden the drinking party the caliph's frolic and the happy end of the hero's misfortunes its brightness is tempered by the gloomy tone of the tale which succeeds and which has variants in the bakh o Bahal a hindustani version of the persian tale of the four darwishes, and in the turkish kirk vizir or book of the forty vizirs its dismal peripeties are relieved only by the witty indecency of eunuch bukhid and the admirable humour of eunuch kafur whose half lie is known throughout the east Here also the lover's agonies are piled upon him for the purpose of unpiling at last. The oriental tale-teller knows by experience that, as a rule, doleful endings don't pay. The next is the long romance of chivalry, King Omar bin al-Numan, etc., which occupies an eighth of the whole repertory and the best part of two volumes mr lane omits it because obscene and tedious showing the license with which he translated and he was set right by a learned reviewer who truly declared that the omission of half a dozen passages out of four hundred pages would fit it for printing in any language and the charge of tediousness could hardly have been applied more unhappily The tale is interesting as a picture of medieval Arab chivalry, and has many other notable points. For instance, the lines beginning, Allah holds the kingship, are a lesson to the mannequinism of Christian Europe. It relates the doings of three royal generations, and has all the characteristics of Eastern art. It is a phantasmagoria of holy places, palaces, and harems convents castles and caverns here restful with gentle landscapes and there bristling with furious battle-pictures and tales of princely prowess and knightly daring-do the characters stand out well king numan is an old lecher who deserves his death the ancient dame zat al-dawahi merits her title lady of calamities to her foes princess abriza appears as a charming amazon doomed to a miserable and pathetic end zaw al makan is a wise and pious royalty nuzat al-zaman though a longsome talker is a model sister the wazir dandan a sage and sagacious counsellor contrasts with the chamberlain an ambitious miscreant kan makan is the typical arab knight gentle and brave, now managing the mouths of stubborn steeds, now practising the proof of warlike deeds. And the kind-hearted, simple-minded stoker serves as a foil to the villains, the kidnapping Badawi and Gazban, the detestable negro. The fortunes of the family are interrupted by two episodes, both equally remarkable taj al-muluk is the model lover whom no difficulties or dangers can daunt in aziz and aziza we have the beau ideal of a loving woman the writer's object was to represent a softy who had the luck to win the love of a beautiful and clever cousin and the mad folly to break her heart the poetical justice which he receives at the hands of women of quite another stamp leaves nothing to be desired finally the plot of king omar is well worked out and the gathering of all the actors upon the stage before the curtain drops may be improbable but is highly artistic the long crusading romance is relieved by a sequence of sixteen fabliaux partly historiettes of men and beasts and partly apologues proper a subject already noticed we have then the saddening and dreary love-tale of ali bin Bakr, a persian youth and the caliph's concubine shams al nahar here the end is made doleful enough by the deaths of the two martyrs who are killed off like romeo and juliet a lesson that the course of true love is sometimes troubled and that men as well as women can die of the so-called tender passion it is followed by the long tale of kamar al-zaman or moon of the age the first of that name the kamar al-zaman whom gallant introduced into the best european society like the ebony horse it seems to have been derived from a common source with peter of provence and Cleomades and clermont and we can hardly wonder at its wide diffusion the tale is brimful of life change movement containing as much character and incident as would fill a modern three-volumer and the supernatural pleasantly jostles the natural the nash the jinn and Maymunah, daughter of al-dimiriyat a renowned king of the Jan, being as human in their jealousy about the virtue of their lovers as any children of adam and so their metamorphosis to fleas has all the effect of a surprise the troupe is again drawn with a broad firm touch prince charming the hero is weak and wilful shifty and immoral hasty and violent his two spouses are rivals in abominations as his sons amjad and assad are examples of a fraternal affection rarely found in half-brothers by sister wives there is at least one fine melodramatic situation, and marvellous feats of indecency—a practical joke which would occur only to the canopic mind—emphasize the recovery of her husband by that remarkable blackguard, the Lady Boudour. The interpolated tale of Niamma and Naomi, a simple and pleasing narrative of youthful amours, contrasts well with the boiling passions of the incestuous and murderous queens, and serves as a pause before the grand denouement, when the parted meet, the lost are found, the unwedded are wedded, and all ends merrily as a nineteenth-century novel. The long tale of Allah al-Din, our old friend Aladdin, is wholly out of place in its present position it is a counterpart of ali nur al-din and miriam the girdle girl and the mention of the shabandar or harbour-master the kunzul or Consul, the captain Capitano, the use of cannon at sea and the choice of genoa city prove that it belongs to the fifteenth or sixteenth century and should accompany kamar al-zaman too and ma'aruf at the end of the nights despite the Lutist zubaydah being carried off by the jinn, the magic couch a modification of solomon's carpet and the murder of the king who refused to islamize it is evidently a european tale and i believe with dr that it is founded upon the legend of charlemagne's daughter emma and his secretary egenhard as has been noted in the counterpart this quasi-historical fiction is followed by a succession of fabliaux, novels and historiettes, which fill the rest of the volume four and the whole of volume five, till we reach the terminal story, the Queen of the Serpents. It appears to me that most of them are historical and could easily be traced. Not a few are in Al Masudi. For instance, the grim tale of Hatim of Ta'i is given bodily in Meads of Gold and the two adventures of ibrahim al-madi with the barber-surgeon and the merchant's sister are in his pages the city of luptite embodies the legend of don rodrigo last of the Goths, and may have reached the ears of washington irving many-columned iram is held by all muslims to be factual and sundry writers have recorded the tricks played by al-mamun with the pyramids of Giza which still show his handiwork the germ of isaac of mosul is found in al Masudi, who names buran the poetess and harun al-rashid and the slave girl is told by a host of writers ali the persian is a rollicking tale of fun from some iranian jest book abu muhammad height lazybones belongs to the cycle of sinbad the seaman with a touch of Whittington and his cat. And Zumurut, Smaragdine, in Ali shows at her sale the impudence of Miriam the Girdle Girl, and in bed the Fessinine device of the Lady Budur. The ruined man who became rich, etc., is historical, and al-Masudi relates the coquetry of Mabuda the concubine. The historian also quotes four couplets too identical with numbers one and two in the nights and adding then see the slave who lords it o'er her lord in lover privacy and public sight behold these eyes that one like ja'afar saw allah on ja'afar reigns boons infinite uns al Wujud is a love-tale which has been translated into a host of eastern languages and the lovers of the banu-ozra belong to al-masudi's martyrs of love with the ozrite ozrite love of ibn Khan harun and the three poets has given to cairo a proverb which burkhardt renders the day obliterates the word or promise of the night for the promise of night is effaced by day it suggests congreve stories for who o'er night obtained her grace she can next day disown etc harun and the three slave-girls smacks of gargantua it belongs to me said one tis mine said another and so forth the simpleton and the sharper like the foolish dominie is an old joe miller in hindu as well as muslim folklore kisra is the king, the owl, and the villages of al-Masudi, who also notices the Persian monarch's four seals of office, and Masur the eunuch and ibn al-Karibi is from the same source as ibn al-Magazili the reciter, and a eunuch belonging to the caliph al-Mutazat. In the tale of Tawadud, we have the fullest development of the disputations and displays of learning then so common in Europe, the admirable crichton and these were affected not only by eastern tale-tellers but even by sober historians to us it is much like padding when nuzad al-zaman fags her hapless hearers with a discourse covering sixteen mortal pages when the wazir dandan reports at length the cold speeches of the five high-bosomed maids and the lady of calamities and when virt Khan, in presence of his papa discharges his patristic exorcitations and heterogeneous knowledge yet al masuri also relates at dreary extension the disputation of the twelve sages in presence of barmasai jaya upon the origin the essence the accidents and the omnis res of love and in another place shows honine author of the book of natural questions undergoing a long examination before the caliph al-wazik vatek and describing amongst other things the human teeth see also the dialogue or catechism of al-hajjaj and ibn al-kiriyah in ibn Kalikan. these disjectra membra of tales and annals are pleasantly relieved by the seven voyages of simbad The Arabian Odyssey may, like its Greek brother, descend from a noble family, the shipwrecked mariner, a Coptic travel tale of the twelfth dynasty, preserved on a papyrus at St. Petersburg. In its actual condition, Sindbad is a fanciful compilation, like Defoe's Captain Singleton, borrowed from travellers' tales of an immense variety and extracts from al-Idrisi. Al Kazwini and even Alvardi. Here we find the Polyphemus, the Pygmies, and the cranes of Homer and Herodotus, the escape of Aristomenes, the Plinian monsters well known in Persia, the Magnetic Mountain of Saint Brennan, Brandanus, the aeronautics of Duke Ernest of Bavaria, and sundry cuttings from Muslim writers dating between our ninth and fourteenth centuries the shaykh of the seaboard appears in the persian romance of Camaralpa, translated by franklin all the particulars absolutely corresponding the odyssey is valuable because it shows how far eastward the medieval arab had extended already in the ignorance he had reached china and had formed a center of trade at canton but the higher merit of the cento is to produce one of the most charming books of travel ever written like robinson crusoe the delight of children and the admiration of all ages the hearty life and realism of sindbad are made to stand out in strong relief by the deep melancholy which pervades the city of brass a dreadful book for a dreary day it is curious to compare the doleful verses with those spoken to caliph al mutawakil by abu al hassan ali al masudi we then enter upon the venerable sindibat name the malice of women of which according to the kitab al firist there were two editions, a sindibat al kabir and a sindibat al sagir the latter being probably an epitome of the former this bundle of legends i have shown was incorporated with the knight's as an editor's addiction, and as an independent work it has made the round of the world. Space forbids any detailed notice of this choice collection of anecdotes for which a volume would be required. I may, however, note that the wife's device has its analogues in the cata, in the gesta romanorum, and in Boccaccio, modified by La Fontaine to Richard Minutolo, it is quoted almost in the words of the knights by the shaykh al-nafsavi that most witty and indecent tale the three wishes has forced its way disguised as a babe into our nurseries another form of it is found in the arab proverb more luckless than Bassus," Camus, a fair israelite who persuaded her husband also a jew to wish that she might become the loveliest of women jehovah granted it spitefully as jupiter the consequence was that her contumacious treatment of her mate made him pray that the beauty might be turned into a bitch and the third wish restored her to her original state the story of judah is egyptian to judge from its local knowledge together with its ignorance of morocco it shows a contrast in which arabs delight of an almost angelical goodness and forgiveness with a well-nigh diabolical malignity and we find the same extremes in abu Sir, the noble-minded barber and the hideously inhuman abu Pir. the excursion to mauritania is artfully managed and gives a novelty to the mise en garib and ajib belongs to the cycle of antar and king omar bin Numan its exaggerations make it a fine type of oriental chauvinism pitting the superhuman virtues valour nobility and success of all that is muslim against the scum of the earth which is non-muslim like the exploits of friar john of the chopping-knives it suggests ridicule cast on impossible battles and tales of giants panems, and paladins the long romance is followed by thirteen historiettes, all apparently historical. Compare Hind, daughter of al-Numan, and Isaac of Mosul and the Devil, with al-Masudi, five, three hundred sixty-five, and six, three hundred forty. They end in two long detective tales, like those which M. Gaboriot has popularized, The Rogueries of Delilah, and The Adventures of Mercury Ali, based upon the principle one thief wants another the former who has appeared before seems to have been a noted character al masoudi says in a word this shaykh outrivalled in his rogueries and the ingenuities of his wiles Dala, Dalila, the crafty and other tricksters and cony-catchers ancient and modern the tale of ardashir lacks originality we are now entering upon a series of pictures which are replicas of those preceding this is not the case with that charming undime julnar the Seaborn, which like abdullah of the land and abdullah of the sea describes the vie intime of mermen and merwomen somewhat resembling swift's inimitable creations the Huims, for instance they prove amongst other things that those who dwell in a denser element can justly blame and severely criticise the contradictory and unreasonable prejudices and predilections of mankind saif al-muluk the romantic tale of two lovers shows by its introduction that it was originally an independent work and it is known to have existed in persia during the eleventh century this novella has found its way into every Muslim language of the East, even into Sindhi, which calls the hero Saifal. Here we again meet the old man of the sea, or rather the sheikh of the seaboard, and make acquaintance with a jinn whose soul is outside his body. Thus he resembled Hermotimos of clasamune in Apollonius, whose spirit left his mortal frame at discretion the author philanthropically remarking knowest thou not that a single mortal is better in allah's sight than a thousand jinn?" brings the wooing to a happy end which leaves a pleasant savour upon the mental palate hassan of bassorah is a master shoe on a large scale like sinbad but his voyages and travels extend into the supernatural and fantastic Rather than the natural world. Though long, the tale is by no means wearisome, and the characters are drawn with a fine, firm hand. The hero, with his hen like persistency of purpose, his weeping, fainting, and versifying, is interesting enough, and proves that love can find out the way. The charming adopted sister, the model of what the feminine friend should be the silly little wife who never knows that she is happy till she loses happiness the violent and hard-hearted queen with all the cruelty of a good woman and the manners and customs of amazon land are outlined with a lifelike vivacity khalifa the next tale is valuable as a study of eastern life showing how the fisherman emerges from the squalor of his surroundings and becomes one of the caliph's favorite cup companions ali nur al-din and king jaliad have been noticed elsewhere and there is little to say of the concluding stories which bear the evident impress of a more modern date dr johnson thus sums up his notice of the tempest Whatever might have been the intention of their author, these tales are made instrumental to the production of many characters, diversified with boundless invention, and preserved with profound skill in nature, extensive knowledge of opinions, and accurate observation of life. Here are exhibited princes, courtiers, and sailors, all speaking in their real characters. There is the agency of airy spirits and of earthy goblin, the operations of magic, the tumults of a storm, the adventures of a desert island, the native effusion of untold affection, the punishment of guilt, and the final happiness of those for whom our passions and reason are equally interested. We can fairly say this much and far more for our tales, viewed as a tout ensemble in full and complete form they are a drama of eastern life and the dance of death made sublime by faith and the highest emotions by the certainty of expiation and the fulness of atoning equity where virtue is victorious vice is vanquished and the ways of allah are justified to man they are a panorama which remains can speckle upon the mental retina they form a phantasmagoria in which archangels and angels devils and goblins men of air of fire of water naturally mingle with men of earth where flying horses and talking fishes are utterly realistic where king and prince meet fisherman and pauper lamia and cannibal where citizen jostles badawi eunuch meets knight the Kazi hobnobs with the thief, the pure and pious sit down on the same tray with the baud and the pim, where the professional religionist, the learned Quranist and the strictest moralist consort with the wicked magician, the scoffer and the debauchy poet like Abu Novas, where the courtier jests with the boor, and where the sweep is bedded with the noble lady and the characters are finished and quickened by a few touches swift and sure as the glance of sunbeams. The work is a kaleidoscope where everything falls into picture—gorgeous palaces and pavilions, grisly underground caves and deadly walls, gardens fairer than those of the Hesperid, seas dashing with clashing billows upon enchanted mountains, valleys of the shadow of death air voyages and promenades in the abysses of ocean the duello the battle and the siege the wooing of maidens and the marriage rite all the splendor and squalor the beauty and baseness the glamour and grotesqueness the magic and the mournfulness the bravery and the baseness of oriental life are here its pictures of the three great arab passions love war and fancy entitle it to be called blood musk and hashish and still more the genius of the story-teller quickens the dry bones of history and by adding fiction to pact revives the dead past the caliphs and the caliphate return to baghdad and cairo whilst asmodeus kindly removes the terrace-roof of every tenement and allows our curious glances to take in the whole interior this is perhaps the best proof of their power finally the picture-gallery opens with a series of weird and striking adventures and shows as a tailpiece, an idyllic scene of love and wedlock in halls before reeking with lust and blood I have noticed in my foreword that the two main characteristics of the nights are pathos and humour, alternating with highly artistic contrast, and carefully calculated to provoke tears and smiles in the coffee-house audience which paid for them. The sentimental portion mostly breeds a tender passion and a simple sadness. Such are the Badabi's dying farewell, the lady's broken heart on account of her lover's hand being cut off, the wazir's death, the mourner's song, and the tongue of the case, the murder of princess Abriza, with the babe sucking its dead mother's breast, and generally the last moments of good Muslims, which are described with inimitable terseness and naivete, the sad and the gay mingle in the character of the good hammam stoker who becomes roy crott and the melancholy deepens in the tale of the mad lover the blacksmith who could handle fire without hurt the devotee prince and the whole tale of aziza whose angelic love is set off by the sensuality and selfishness of her more fortunate rivals a new note of absolutely tragic dignity seems to be struck in the sweep and the noble lady showing the piquancy of sentiment which can be evolved from the common and the unclean the pretty conceit of the lute is afterwards carried out in the song which is a masterpiece of originality and in the arabic of exquisite tenderness and poetic melancholy the wail over the past and the vain longing for reunion and the very depths of melancholy of majestic pathos and of true sublimity are reached in many-columned iram and the city of brass the metrical part of the latter shows a luxury of woe it is one long wail of despair which echoes long and loud in the hearer's heart in my foreword I have compared the humorous vein of the comic tales with our northern wood, chiefly for the dryness and slyness which pervade it. But it differs in degree as much as the pathos varies. The staple article is kyrene chaff, a peculiar banter possibly inherited from their pagan forefathers. Instances of this are found in the cock and dog, the eunuchs addressed to the cook, the wazir's exclamation too little pepper the self-communing of judar the hashish-eater in Shah, the scene between the brothers wazir the treatment of the gobbo the water of zemzem and the eunuch's Bukait and kafur at times it becomes a masterpiece of fun of rollicking rabelaisian humor underlaid by the caustic mother wit of sancho panza as in the orgy of the ladies of Baghdad, the holy ointment applied to the beard of Luca the Knight, Unxerunt regem Salomonem, and Ja'afar and the old Badabi with its reminiscence of Chaffee king Amasis. This reaches its acme in the description of ugly old age, in the Three Wishes, the wickedest of satires on the altar sexes, in Ali the Persian, in the Lady and her Five Suitors, which corresponds and contrasts with the dully told story of Upakosa and her four lovers of the Catha, and in the Man of Aliaman, where we find the true Falstaffian touch, but there is sterling wit, sweet and bright, expressed without any artifice of words in the immortal barber's tales of its brothers, especially the second, the fifth, and the sixth. Finally, wherever the honest and independent old debauchee Abu Novas makes his appearance, the fun becomes fascinine and Melesian Section twenty one Recording by Phone